Let's jump into the message. Um, last week we began a quick mini-series um, in, in, uh, in our time. Uh, just so you know, next week uh, my, me and my family will not be here. Uh, Randy is going to be sharing God's Word that day. He's going to do a great job, but we'll be gone next week. We'll miss you. Um, and uh, we'll be back on the 27th, and it'll be a great Sunday. Uh, actually, on that day, Linda is also going to be uh, leading worship that Sunday. So, um, you know, it's going to be a good Sunday on the 20th when we're gone, and also on the 27th. So please be here on those days. So, but anyway, we wanted to do, I wanted to do kind of a quick um, mini kind of series. Um, we entitled our series Sabbath Amnesia. If you weren't here last week, um, I really want to encourage you to maybe take some time this week to, to kind of go back and watch uh, last week's message. This is kind of a two-part kind of message that kind of goes together. So if you didn't watch kind of the first um, week, you might be a little little lost, but I think it'll be okay today. But, but make sure you go back and check that out on our website. But really, we're going to do a quick, just really, really quick overview. Last week, we kind of talked about this, this concept of, of, of forgetting. And we talked about in the Old Testament in 2 Kings how there was a, a king named King Josiah and he was a, a king that really wanted to turn the people of Israel back to the Father, back to God. And so he sends basically some individuals into the temple to do some renovation and some fixing. And as they do, they, they literally find the, the book of the law. They find the Torah. They find the first five books of the Old Testament. And they begin to, to read them and read them to each other. And then they eventually read them to the people. And, and really what has happened in this situation is the people have forgotten what God's word has said. And so we kind of entitled this series Sabbath Amnesia because in some ways for some of us, the idea of Sabbath, the idea of rest, the idea that, that God would put this for us in his word is kind of one of those things that for some of us we've kind of forgotten. We've kind of said, you know, our lives have gotten so busy and so hectic and so crazy that Sabbath has kind of become something that is, is maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, you know we, we say things like this. I know I have said things like this, so you're not alone in this, but I've said things like, well, I'll rest when I'm dead. And that sounds super spiritual, especially in the context of maybe like a pastor or serving or things like that. But the problem is, is that's not really what God's word says. God's word says that we need to rest. He, he showed us these things and we've seen these things, but we tend to forget them. We tend to spiritualize them or, or as we were going to get into the message later on, I don't want to jump ahead. But, but really that's kind of the idea and the thought of the series is we've kind of forgotten that God has commanded us to rest to take those times and allow his spirit and his, his, his refreshing to come in our lives. And this is not just a, a vacation. This isn't just something that, oh, well, I take two weeks off every whatever year. It is a weekly thing that God has commanded us and wants us to be a part of. But we, again, we've forgotten. We think maybe, maybe it's for other people, or, or, but not for us. I'll rest when I'm dead. And the problem is, is that's just not what God has asked us to do and, and required us to do and desires for us to do. But, but here's the thing. In all of this, it is a situation where, where God is really wanting to give us something very, very special. 
I, I remember, uh, I, I haven't seen this show in a long, long time. I don't, I don't watch probably as much television as I used to. There's just not much on anymore, especially this time of year. But I remember like flipping through the channels and, and that'll get you in trouble at times because sometimes you'll just stop and you're going, why am I now wasted 30 minutes of my life watching this? And this is one of those moments. So I'm flipping through the channels. I, I, I think it was even before I was married. So it was years and years ago. I'm flipping through the channels. I'm home alone, looking through something, trying to find something to watch. And, and came, I think it was TLC, which I think used to be the learning channel. I don't think I've ever found a channel name as poor as what is actually on the learning channel. As you know, Anyway, I mean, it should be called, uh, I, I probably should say what it should be called. Anyway, but it was this show, and it was like something, and I don't remember exactly. And if listen, if you know the name of this show, do not say anything, because people will look at you funny. But it was like, I won the lottery, and it changed my life type shows. Okay? So, so here's these people, and, and, and it comes out, and it's like, here's, you know, and of course, because they're mean, you know, they try to find the people that were um, maybe not the sharpest knives in the drawer, okay, who win the lottery, whose lives are really changed. I mean, they don't ever go and, like, find, well, this person was, was you know, doing fairly well in life, and then they won the lottery. It was like they had nothing kind of a thing, and then they win the lottery. And I just remember these two individuals husband and a wife, and, and they won the lottery, and they're, they're taking you into their just mansion now. They're showing all their toys, and they're showing, and, and I'm just sitting there going, you know, and again, as, as a poor youth pastor, like, why do you need four jet skis? You don't live near water. And they had four jet skis. They had, they had like four of those ATV vehicles, you know, the four, you know, jobbers, but there was only two of them. Why did you buy four? And they, they were, you know, they kind of asked that question. They were like, well, we might have visitors. They might have visitors. And so they needed two extras just in case someone would drop by, knock on the door and say, you know, I was really hoping to ride an ATV today. Do you have an extra? And here's the thing. As the show went on, it, they, they kind of took a little bit more and they kind of talked a little bit more. And, and I noticed something, and I don't know, I would hope that maybe you would notice it as well as a believer. But I started noticing something. All the stuff they had, and yet they were still broken people. They had all this stuff, but you could just tell, even in the way that they handled each other in their, their marriage relationship, there really wasn't a lot of love there. It was almost like we had to stay together because we don't want to split up the millions from the lottery. And it kind of broke my heart. And I remember thinking, what a gift. I mean, you know, to think about that. I mean, I mean we, we work so hard. We, we try so hard. We strive to take care of our families. And, and these individuals, I think one of them, you know, you know they, they didn't have the best jobs in the world kind of a thing. I mean, they would work hard, and that's awesome. But, you know, they weren't making a ton of money. And here's this amazing gift that maybe they could have used to, to, to not only better their lives, but, but the lives of, of other people and, and things like that. And, and, it, it, and they didn't. They just kind of hoarded it. And I remember in that moment thinking, you know, they were given an amazing gift, but they sure have squandered it. They sure have wasted it. You know, this morning as we're talking about Sabbath, as we're talking about rest, one of the things I want you to remember is this is a gift from God. 
Like we tend to take, I don't know if we do this all the time. I, I know sometimes I do. God comes and he gives us gifts. And instead of just saying, God, thank you for that gift. Thank you for loving me that much. We tend to, to nitpick it or tend to, to say, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or, or when others get gifts, God, why did you give them a gift and not me? It's kind of one of those things that more critical than a gift is how we handle the gift. And in Sabbath and in rest and understanding that God in His love and His grace and His mercy in His care for us, we're going to get all of this in a minute, really has given us a gift. And I'll be honest with you, for some of us, myself included, we've kind of handled that gift sometimes like people handle the lottery winnings. We really don't know how to really allow it to be what God wants it to be to change our lives for the better. We make excuses. We deal with it in weird ways. So this morning, we're going to look at some things. We're going to try to break this down. And, and, and here's the thing. I'll just be honest with you. I've had a lot of comments about this series. I would say this has probably been the most commented on series I've had. Um, and this is, only, this is week two of two, okay? So there's some questions here, there's some thoughts here, there's some, there's some things here, and, and I'm not going to be able to get to everything today. But at the same time, I want us to try to look at this and have an understanding and a better understanding of what God has for you and for me with this idea of Sabbath. So today I've tried to break it down into four things in the context of Sabbath to help us better handle this gift. I do believe this is a gift, but I believe at times, again, myself included, I have handled it poorly. And I want to do a good job handling the gifts that God has given me. Because here's what I've learned about God's gifts. God's gifts affect you too. When I handle God's gifts correctly and in the way that I'm supposed to, it makes me a better pastor, it makes me a better husband, it makes me a better father, it makes me a better friend, it makes me better from all those areas. And because of that, it affects everyone around me. So I don't want to just handle this gift for me. I want to handle it so it, it basically plays it forward to people in my life. And I believe that's what God has. So again, we're going to break this down. We're going to look at some things together to see if we can better handle this gift. I really want to start, we talked a little bit about this last week, but with the rhythm of Sabbath. The rhythm of Sabbath. To really look at this, we need to go way back to the beginning. So we are. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis because in Genesis, in the creation story, we begin to see this rhythm begin to take place in, in creation, in how God works, in God's example to us. So, so we're going to start in Genesis 1-1 and then we're going to kind of jump around just a little bit in the creation story to kind of see this rhythm take place. So if you have your Bibles... Genesis 1-1, and then we're going to jump to 3 and 6 and 9 and, you know, all these sort of things. So again, they'll be on the, it'll be on the screen if you need it. So here's what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we see this start, we see this beginning, we, be, we see this kind of opening line, but then we begin to start to see some rhythm that begins to kind of take place in the creation story. And this is kind of what I wanted to show you. I could have pulled out more scripture from this, but I just wanted to give you a couple. So in verse 3, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And then we see in verse 6, Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. 
Now let's go to verse number 9. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear, and that is what happens. And now we go all the way to verse 26, day 6, and then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So here's what we're seeing in, in this idea. And again, we skipped a little bit. We skipped some days. But as you look in your scriptures, we're seeing kind of this rhythm. Then God said, and then God said, and then God said. What we're seeing here is this rhythm of creation, this rhythm of forming. Then God said, and this happened. And then God said, let there be birds, let there be fish, let there be humans. All these sort of things. Let there be light, let there be separation, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. So we start to see that early, this, this forming, this creating, this, this working that God is doing in creation. Now let's go to Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, we see something different take place. Verses 1 and 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So we see this rhythm. We see day one, forming, creating. Day two, forming, creating. Day three, forming, creating. Day four, forming and creating. Day five, forming, creating. Day six, forming and creating. Day seven, rest. Rest. We have to understand that what we have here is this idea of God working for six and resting for one. Do you see the rhythm that God has for you and for me. That's why you say, listen, I'll just take a two-week vacation every three months isn't going to work because we were not created this way. You see, that's an issue that we have to understand. We were created with this rhythm. We were created to live a certain way and to experience six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. And when we fail to do that, some things can really get messed up because this is what God intended. This is how God created us. In fact, there is a time where we thought we knew better than God, not that we don't do that all the time. But in 1793, the French decided that they knew better than God. Now, I, I, I don't think there's anybody that has any French connections here, so I'm going to be mean for a second. If anybody would do this, it would be the French, okay? Somewhere, somewhere, there's someone watching that's French who's really throwing something at me right now. I'm teasing, of course. But they decided, you know what? We want to be a little more productive. We want to focus a little bit more. And so they instituted throughout their country a 10 day a week system they changed their calendars they changed their clocks they changed everything because they wanted to be more productive they worked 10 and rested one and you would go well of course wouldn't that be wonderful they would get so much more done well guess what happened suicide rates skyrocketed production actually went down it didn't work because when we try to do things that are out of God's plan and out of God's rhythm, they don't work. And for us, sometimes in our life, we can get out of that rhythm. We can have this rhythm that says, you know what, I can go and go and go and go and go and then rest, you know, every other year. 
When God says, no, I didn't form you that way. I didn't create you that way. I didn't do it that way. I did it this way for a reason and a purpose. You see, you need to understand the seven day a week is not the result of human ingenuity. Rather, it's a reflection of God's brilliance. He knew what he was doing. Work six, rest one. Work six, rest one. You know what it kind of reminds me of a lot? Is the idea of tithing. The idea of giving back to God. Like, here's the deal. Like, we got to remember this. Like, everything you have is, is because God gave it to you. Every, everything. And that includes your time. And yet God says, listen, will you, will you just, will you give back 10%? Will you give back just a portion of that? And in the same way, in this rest, he's like, listen, you work and you work well and you work hard six days. You go after it. You, you, you do it unto me as we talked about last week. But listen, on that seventh day, you take it easy. You rest from your work. It's his idea. It's his plan. It's how he made you and me. And if we do things our way, they always end up in bad situations. God had a plan. God had a reason. So next, let's look at the reasons for Sabbath. Let's look at some of the reasons for Sabbath. I've, I've actually kind of given four that I really want to focus in on this morning. So the reasons for Sabbath. Not only is there a rhythm to Sabbath, but there's reasons for the Sabbath. Number one, Sabbath reorientates us. It reorientates us. When we're busy and working, we're kind of focused. Sabbath kind of helps us and focuses us and shows us some things that we sometimes forget when we're busy and working and working hard and doing the things that even God's asked us to do. Sabbath kind of brings us back. It kind of refocuses us and reorients us back to where we need to be. Look at this with me. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And then we're going to jump to 31. Listen to what it says. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now we go to verse 31. Then God looked over all that he had made and saw that it was very good. Okay? And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Six-day creation, God makes us. This is a very difficult question. I'm glad you're all sitting down because I think you're really going to have to think hard on this one. What day comes after day six? Nobody knows. I know. It's hard. Numbers, math, hard. Okay. I've studied. Okay. Just so you know, I worked on this all week. I know this is, this is it. Day seven. What happens on day seven? God rests. What do Adam and Eve then do on day seven? What do Adam and Eve do on their very first full day? They rest. They don't go about naming the animals that happens later. They don't go about working and doing all the things. We see that later. On their very first day, it's like God says, I'm going to focus you on what matters most. And that's rest in me. 
to be with me. Not to worry about the animals, not to worry about the creation, not to worry about the garden. Not to, but their first full day, it was like God was saying, you know what? I want the first full day of your existence to be a day of rest with me. To take it easy with me. Listen, the only thing that Adam and Eve had to celebrate that first Sabbath was the Godhead and what they had created. It was their first real experience, if that makes sense. For their very first day. Think about all that. You know, we're getting ready. Hey, you know, this week, at least for my son, school's starting. School's starting again. And you know what? Maybe if you have a, a child that's a little bit younger, and you know, it's like, this is their first day of kindergarten. I, I know my mother still has pictures of me on my first day of kindergarten. Like, we've taken that to an extreme now that is, is mind-blowing. You know, it's like we have to have them out in front with a professional photographer with, with a you know, chalkboard. My first day of first grade. My first day of sixth grade, you know. I, I'm excited about the ones, you know, my first day of college, you know, because that's not weird. But we do that now. It's our first day. It's important. It matters. It's a memory that we make. For Adam and Eve, it reoriented them. Think about it. Think about it. All these things, they've just been formed. They've just been created. God has breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. You're looking around. Man, look at that thing. Man, look at that thing. Oh, my goodness, look at this thing. Look at all, oh, my goodness. Blah, blah, blah. God says, no, come here, come here, come here, come here. First day, first day, you rest. First day, you're with me. Work will come. But the first day, it starts there. Number two, second reason. Sabbath is a weekly reminder of God's care for us. It's a weekly reminder. God wants you to not only be focused on him and to have that, but every day to remember as you're looking forward to that day of rest, how much my God cares for me, how much he loves me, how much he wants what's best for me. We say it all the time. Oh God, you're a good, good father. Yes, he is. But do we see that in this? Because we should. Because here's the thing, when you go back and you begin to study ancient creation myths at the time, when you look at the Egyptians and the Phoenicians and, and, and the Babylonians and they begin to try to explain how the world was created, how the gods, little g, came and formed and made and all these sort of things, you know what you never find? Rest. All you see is work. And what the person who was created by the little g God has to do to please the big God. Quote, unquote. They work and they work and they work. Especially if you look at like the Egyptian idea of creation and the creation myth that they had at the time. I mean, it was like your job was to work yourself literally almost to death. So that maybe the God would pay attention to you. If you were lucky. Look what God has done. He created it all. And then our first day he says, I want to give you rest. He wants you to have rest. You see, here's the deal. No other God carries the well-being of creation as close to the heart as our God. In a restless world, our God requires rest. He doesn't do this because he's angry. He does it because he loves you. And he knows what's best for you. He knows how you've been created. He knows what you need before you even understand you need it. And he cares for you. 
He doesn't want your life to be just a blur of crazy, hectic, heart attack at 40 lifestyle. He wants it to be a life where you allow him to care for you like a father or a mother would care for their child. How many times have we as parents looked at our children and said, no, that's not good, that's not right. No, I know that ice cream tastes good, but you know what? You don't eat a whole gallon of it. Why do we do that? Because we love our kids. Because we want what's best for them. Because we think about their, 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 their time in this moment, but also in their future. And our God, who's so good, does the same. And he says, I care for you. I love you. I want you to understand that I have your best interest at heart. Let me care for you. Let me love you in this way. Number three, Sabbath is an invitation to us. It's an invitation. This is a great verse. This takes us into the New Testament. Jesus is speaking here in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. This is, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is inviting us into this rest. Jesus is basically saying, listen, listen, and, and you got to understand something. We've talked about this before, but just in case, when you see that word yoke, okay, we're kind of getting two images. One kind of is the image of, of kind of what most people think of as this idea of oxen and basically in a yoke and you would yoke a stronger oxen with a weaker oxen to kind of train them and things like that. But in ancient Jewish times, a yoke was also the teaching of a rabbi. That was the understanding. So when Jesus says, if you take this yoke, he's basically saying what I teach you, what I want you to learn, how I want you to live is what he's saying here. And you know what's interesting about Jesus? He rested. Think about that. Jesus rested. He had three years, basically, roughly, before he knew he was going to be crucified and then 40 days after his resurrection to leave. He had to get these guys ready to do something incredible. And yet it says over and over and over, Jesus left, he prayed, and he rested. But yet somehow... We can look at this and go, you know, I, I, nah, I'm good. Jesus has invited you into this. Jesus is calling you to a place of rest. He says, if you're weary, if you're tired. Other translations say that if the world is basically crushing you down, you can come to me and get rest for your souls. Listen, rest is found in Jesus, in his teachings his rhythm, and in his ways. It's found in him. It's found in him. You say, how, you know, we're going to get into this a little bit later. How do I do this? What does this look like? It starts with getting closer to Jesus, getting close to him. He is what's going to bring rest from your soul. Listen, you can sit and stare at the wall every one day a week, every week, and nothing's going to change in your life except maybe you're going to get a little more physical rest. But this idea of Sabbath, this idea of rest is so much bigger than physical. It's so much bigger, and it can only come when Jesus helps us do it. 
And so we run to him and we allow how he lived to be the example for us. Number four. Number four. Sabbath is about healing and restoring broken people. Okay? Listen. I think we miss this about Sabbath a lot. And and, and just so you know, okay, I'm not going to speak for anybody but me. I'm one of those broken people that needs healing and restoring. I don't know about you, but I know I do. And Sabbath is really interesting because especially in the New Testament, we begin to see this pattern begin to take place in the life of Jesus and how he handles this idea of Sabbath. Look with me, John 7. Look at verse 21 through 23. It says, Jesus replied, I worked on the Sabbath by healing a man and you were surprised. But you work on the Sabbath too. Whenever you obey Moses' law of circumcision, actually, however, this tradition of circumcision is older than the Mosaic law, for if the correct time for circumcising your children falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it, as you should. He says, this isn't wrong. This is right. So why should I be condemned for making, listen, I love this, for condemned for making a man completely well on the Sabbath. If you underline stuff in your Bible or in your, underline that completely well or whatever your translation says. Jesus didn't just come and heal a little bit. He wants to heal completely. He wants to heal every aspect of your life. Listen, on the Sabbath, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. He, cle- he, he called out an unclean spirit. He, uh, on the Sabbath, he healed a man that was ill and a man that was dealing with dropsy. He, did, uh, uh, he healed a man born blind. He did it all on the Sabbath. It takes place in every gospel, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Why? Simple. Because the Sabbath is for healing and complete healing. And that healing only comes from Jesus. That healing only comes from Him. Listen, Sabbath healing is spiritual, physical, emotional, psychological, and relational. He cleans, excuse me, He heals it all. He wants to make you completely well. Now listen, I know that God can do that on any day. But it's interesting to me that in the New Testament, he does that a lot on the Sabbath. He does it a a lot. And he does it for many reasons. We're going to get into them in a minute. But he didn't look at that day and say, you know what, hands off. I can't be working that day as far as what God wants me to do and accomplish And Jesus wants to do some healing in your heart and in your life and in your emotions and in your relationships. And he can do that on the Sabbath. Sabbath is about healing and restoring broken people. Now listen, there are more reasons for the Sabbath, but but those were four I wanted to hit. Next, I want to talk about the response to the Sabbath. The response. And and here's what I've learned, okay? And... And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to share some, some, some um, you know, s- some hard truths in this moment. But I, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's life. And I think we need to understand. And, and a lot of times, our response to the Sabbath is math. It's math. At Jesus' time, their response to the Sabbath was math. Today, 
our typical response to the Sabbath is math. You say, Aaron, what in the world are you talking about? It's simple. When it comes to Sabbath, we tend to either add or subtract from what God really intended the Sabbath to be. One of the issues that Jesus had so much with the religious leaders was the fact that they were adding and subtracting from God's word. And we see that in in, in this idea of Mark 3. In Mark 3, we see this story very early in Mark's gospel where Jesus begins to kind of make people see some things in a different light when it comes to this idea of Sabbath and what it is and what it's for and all these ideas. And so basically, let's look at this together, this story, Mark 3. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Okay, now let's, let's stop and let's kind of get out of our, our Western American mindset. Let's get into the time frame and something like this. So what we're seeing here is a man that cannot literally do anything to help provide for his family very well. He's got a hand that basically won't work. And if you're at that time, you're going to be a farmer, you're going to be doing these types of things. It's very difficult to do the work you need to do with one hand. So Jesus comes into the synagogue and he sees this man with a hand that basically isn't functioning correctly, okay? So he sees that. Now listen, since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Now listen, before we continue on to this story, I I want you to see kind of what's been going on here. Okay. Earlier on in, in, in some of the stories, we see Jesus already beginning to kind of, kind of move people away from this idea of what the Sabbath was and what they kind of added to it. And so they're watching him. They already have... Come, listen, this is, this is why this is so dangerous. Addition and subtraction. What have they just really communicated through their thoughts and eventually through their actions? They don't doubt that Jesus can heal the man. If he heals him, not, not he can't. They're like watching because they can, man, he's done this before. He can do this again. Their faith is greater kind of sometimes than ours. They're hoping. They're probably sitting there going, oh man, I really hope he heals. Why? So they can accuse. So they can accuse Jesus. Let's continue. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, I love this. Come and stand in front of everyone. Jesus doesn't hide from this. Jesus doesn't say, hey, hey, dude, come here. Heal. Don't tell anybody. You know what's funny? There's times where Jesus does do that. He goes and heals somebody. He says, don't tell anybody. Jesus is like, up front. Come on, in front of everybody. Jesus knows. He calls them up front. Then he asked them this question. This is, this is a very important question to ask as we look at this concept of Sabbath. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? And I love this. But they wouldn't answer him. They wouldn't answer him. Let's continue on. He looked around them. Listen, get this, folks. He looked around at them angrily. This made him angry. 
and was deeply saddened. What was he angry and saddened about? The hard hearts. Okay, what we're going to see, if you haven't caught on this, is Sabbath isn't so much about how you handle it and what you do, it's your heart, where your heart is. And when we respond with addition or subtraction, I'm going to tell you right now, it's usually a, a symptom of a hard heart. And Jesus is hurt by that. He's saddened by that. He's angry. There's a holy anger in this moment. So listen, he says, then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. Look at verse 6. At once. Not, well, man, we should think about this. Man, man, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe our ideas are wrong. Maybe we don't understand these things. No, no, no. They respond with anger and pride. At once, the Pharisees went away to meet with the supporters of Herod. I'm going to explain that in a minute. To plot how to kill Jesus. Why did they want to kill Jesus first? He broke in their understanding of the Sabbath. And they want to kill him. They want to kill him. And here's what's interesting. The Pharisees and the supporters of Herod were not on friendly terms. They were enemies. And because Jesus did this, people that despised each other came together to plot how to kill him. Plotted how to kill him. These religious leaders are so, their response is so to add to what the Sabbath was that they want to kill a man. Now think about that for a second. They are so concerned with their traditions of the commandment to observe the Sabbath that they're willing to break another commandment to commit murder. You see, that's what happens when we add and subtract from God's word. When we do that, we're willing to bend somewhere else because God's word is truth. God's word is true. And when we think we know better, oh, I'm going to add to this, or I'm going to subtract from this, and we do that all the time with the Sabbath. We have to do it on a certain day or a certain time or a certain way. And if we don't, it's wrong, and God isn't honored by that, and God doesn't change our hearts in that. Or we subtract from it and say, you know, it's really not that important. In our world today, we don't really have to rest. And when we do that, we constantly see something else being broken in God's law and God's understanding. Listen, the religious leaders were so concerned that Jesus had the audacity to heal on the Sabbath day that they were crippled for being able to experience the joy of the miracle. They should have been so excited. This man had been restored. This man had been healed. But it didn't matter because their rules had been broken. Now notice, I didn't say God's laws. I said their rules. There's a big difference. And here's what's happened in this story, if you didn't catch it. There was a man with a withered hand who started crippled, who Jesus healed because, Jesus, because a man allowed Jesus to heal him. And there were men who weren't crippled, who became crippled spiritually because they were unwilling to understand that Jesus knows better than they do. I don't understand all this stuff about Sabbath. It's hard. 
this Bible, there's so much in it. I'm doing the very best I can to understand what God's word and to apply it to my life and to bring it to you in a way that is true and right. But you know what? There's times I don't always understand things. There's times where I have to learn as well. But I'm not going to allow my life spiritually to become crippled because God does it in a way that I don't understand right now. The religious leaders said, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he was healed. It doesn't matter that his life was changed. All that matters is that you did something we don't think was right on a certain day. We also see a little bit more. Jesus responds kind of to this thing in another situation in Matthew 12, verse number 8. He says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Not you, not me, not my understanding of it, not your understanding of it, Jesus. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who we should focus in on. He is the one that we should look at. Listen, you need to get this. Jesus himself is our Sabbath. We should be centering on who our Sabbath is rather than how or when we Sabbath. Because here's what I truly believe. Maybe this is naive. Maybe this is silly. I believe the closer you get to Jesus, the more rest he brings, the more understanding he brings, the more, the more his yoke that is placed upon you is clearer and you will Sabbath more and better than you've ever Sabbathed before as you get closer and closer to him. Because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And sometimes we focus in on things that quite honestly take away from that. Because we're so concerned about this idea of addition and subtraction. When we just need Jesus. It's not easy, I admit that. It's hard. I'll just be flat honest with you, you know. You know, last week, you know, some of the things that, you know, as we talked about it, you know, it was like, you know, it, 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 this isn't easy sometimes to find how this really flows in our world today. And we can get into some really deep theological discussions on that. And if you want to, call me. We'll talk about it. But what I found over and over and over again is that when we focus on Jesus, he will bring rest. He will bring the rest that you and I need. But if we think we can do it on our own, if we think that our rules and our traditions and our understandings are greater than what God's word says, you know what? We're never going to find that rest that our soul longs for and that we desperately need. We desperately need. So we've talked about the rhythm of the Sabbath. We talked about the reasons for the Sabbath. We've talked about the response to the Sabbath. And I want to close by talking about the reality of the Sabbath. The reality of the Sabbath. Because here's, here's, here's just the reality of it. And this isn't going to be long. This will be short. Sabbath is coming for you one way or another. Remember, you were created this way. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't a, a mess up. This wasn't an oops by God. Sabbath is coming for you one way or another. You see, we can do it God's way. Or we could do it our way. But I'm telling you right now, you know it as well as I do. If you go and you go and you go and you go and you go, there's going to be a moment and your body's going to basically say, enough. 
And listen, I hope it's enough. Hear me. I hope it's enough with just you're exhausted. But you know what I found? A lot of times it's enough with a heart attack. Or it's enough with cancer. Or it's enough with broken relationships. Or it's enough with a broken marriage. Or it's enough with never being there for your kids. You will have to pay the toll for Sabbath. One way or another. If you do it your way. We've seen it over and over and over. Listen, I could abhor you for the next 10 minutes with study after study after study where scientists have spent a lot of money to just basically, guess what, prove God was right. This is, listen, if you don't rest, your body will shut down. It will not function. And some of us, we think, no, that law, that command, that thing God has instilled for us as a gift, that's for everybody else, but it's, it's not for me. Listen, it's coming for you one way or another. The question is, are you going to do it your way or are you going to do it God's way? Are you going to rest? Are you going to let Jesus be who he desires to be to bring rest for your soul? Are you going to do it God's way or are you going to do it your way? Because it's coming. And here's the deal. Some of you already know that. Some of you are in the middle of that right now. And you can see where that end is coming. And God's saying, listen, do it my way. I love you. I care for you. This is a gift. Use the gift well. I know this has been a shorter series. And I know we've talked about a lot of things. And I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot more things after the series is over and that's great I welcome those things but if I could boil all this down in a very 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 simple idea and statement it's this work hard and rest well what does God have for us in Sabbath what does he have the rhythm for our lives and all of these things work hard rest well. If this will help you, six and one, six and one, work hard and rest well. Because here's the deal, for some of us, we are, we work hard, you know, like we are hard workers and we're horrible at rest. And maybe there's other of us that, man, you know, like we're not so good on the work side, but we're good resters. That's not God's plan either. There is a balance and there's a flow and God knows what he's doing. So you know what? For six days, work hard. Just go after it. Do the very best you can with the gifts and the abilities that God's given you. Be a great employer. Be a great employee. Be a great, all the things that God has called you to be and do. Do those things and, and do it for his glory. Remember we talked about that last week. We don't work for man. We work for God. He's who we serve. He's who we're working for. But at the same time, one day, rest and rest well. You see, here's the deal. Some of you think you're resting and you're not. Now, here's, a, here's, here's the problem with what I just stated. I can't look at you individually. Yeah, I can't say, okay, here's the deal. Starting at 1 o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to take 15-minute intervals. You're going to sign up, and you're going to come to me because I'm just so wise and smart and because I have a pastor in front of my name. And I'm going to come, you're going to come to my office, and I'm going to dissect your resting and tell you exactly what that looks like. Don't come to my office at 1 o'clock. I won't be here. And if you do, and I am, I'll look at you, and I'll say, oh, I don't know. 
I, listen, I don't honestly know what rest looks like for you. Are you okay with that? Are you okay that, that your pastor just said, I don't know? Because if you're not, you can fire me because I don't know lots of stuff. I told you that from the very beginning. If you weren't here, I did, trust me. I don't know. I'll be honest with you, I'm probably a little bit better with telling you what, what rest isn't. But you rest differently than I rest. I don't, all I know is this, that God has asked us to rest. And I believe, again, you may say, Aaron, you're crazy, you're, you're naive. I believe that if you ask God what your rest looks like, he'll tell you. I believe our God is individual. I, I think he loves us individually, and I think he has plans for us that are individual plans. Yeah, I, th I think they're all going to obviously be, fall under God's truth of God's word. But God may say, listen, your rest may look different than someone else's rest. If you, if you work a, you know, you know I was going to say a nine-to-five job. I don't know if anybody works a nine-to-five job anymore. Anybody. Because you get a text message or an email at eight o'clock at night. And you'll focus in on it. And I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. I'm just saying that's what we do. I don't know if we, 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 we kind of work a 24-7 schedule nowadays. Because we're, we're always in contact. And so if you work that type of schedule, maybe your resting is going to look different than someone who's retired. But you know what? I know some retired people, man, they work hard. They just don't get paid for it. But they work hard. They need rest too. But their rest may look a little bit different. But here's the deal. Remember who our Sabbath is? The same Jesus who's our Sabbath, who invites us into rest, I believe with his yoke and his teaching and his life and his example, he'll teach us how to rest and rest well. You see, I believe that God places things in our lives where we can't answer them on our own. And God says, listen, I have the answer if you just want to come to me and I'll tell you what it is. I'm not going to dangle it like a carrot. I'm not going to say if you do this, 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 and this right just perfectly, then I'll tell you. But he does say, come to me and I will give you rest. For some of us, we've been trying to do rest our own way or not at all. And to rest well, we need to be with Jesus. Jesus talked about this idea of abiding in him. And that we do that every day, all the time. But there's a little difference when it comes to rest. And I believe very strongly that if we, hear me, if we're going to be the fathers and the grandfathers and the mothers and the grandmothers and the aunts and the uncles and the husbands and the wives and the church family member and, 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 and boss and employee and teacher and all the roles and all the titles that you have, if we're going to grow in those areas, I believe this very strongly, I believe one of the areas we've missed is we've forgotten how to rest. Because I don't know about you, but physically, you know when I'm the worst husband? When I'm tired. You know when I'm the worst husband? You wake me up at 5 a.m., I am not lovey. No, sir, I'm tired. I'm wore out. But there's something about rest that Jesus does and a healing that he does in his presence 
that can transform us. And again, that gift now becomes a gift, not just for you, but for every person your life touches. I want God's gifts to not just affect me, but everyone that my life touches. And I believe one area that we've missed is we have forgotten Sabbath. And I believe God is reminding us again. He's calling us back to a time where we get back to His rhythm and His plan and His way. Let's bow our heads. Let's close. Father, we love You. And God, it is so clear in so many ways that you love us and we typically talk about those and and obviously we should with with the concept of you coming and and dying for us and rescuing us obviously that is a extreme amazing show of your love but it wasn't the first I believe one of the first examples of your care for your kids your love for your creation, which us being the crown jewel of it, was, hey, I'm going to give you rest. It's so interesting that Adam and Eve's first day was a day of rest with you. And Jesus, we have forgotten. We have forgotten. We have allowed the culture to rob us of our gift. We have allowed our our legalism, our, our religious sternness and our religious feelings and traditions to rob us of the gift. We have become a people very much like the Pharisees who have kind of decided what should be and how and when And if you don't follow my way or my situation, well, you're just wrong and you're missing it and all these sort of things. When we see over and over and over again that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that he is the one who has instituted these rhythms. He is the one who has said, listen, listen, I have rest for your souls. And Father, for a long time we've thought incorrectly that those commands, those gifts were not for us. We could do it our way. We could do it our, we we could sometimes not do it at all and think that it wouldn't affect us. Well, Lord, as we look at our world and look at our lives and look at our families, Look at our culture. God, I admit to you, we were wrong. We were dead wrong. And so, Jesus, will you bring us back to you? Will you bring us back to knowing that you are our Sabbath, that you are the Lord of the Sabbath, and that you have come to give us rest for our souls? when we follow your ways, when we follow your teaching, when we follow your example, that example, God, that we are shown all the way back in the garden of six days of work, one day of rest. And Father, I pray for me and for us 
that as we once again obey your word, as we once again live your word out in our lives, that, Father, that gift would, yes, be a gift for us as individuals, but that it would also be a gift that is given to every individual our life touches. We desire that. Help us to follow your ways and your teachings and the things you've put into place. And Father, we're thankful that you loved us enough. You could have said you'll work every day. You'll toil every day. But no, you said, I'll give you rest and bring that healing and all the things you desire to do through those moments in our hearts and our lives. So we thank you for that. And you, we pray for myself and for all of us that we will work hard and rest well. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, I'm going to miss you next week. I know you're going to have a great service. I love you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, if you have any questions, you know, I, I literally could not have gotten to everything I wanted to today. Um, and, and so if you have questions on this topic, because... I, I've really been a little um, blown back by, by the response, um, both positive and negative, um, from this short series. So if you have questions, please do me a favor, come talk to me about it. Um, I don't understand everything, I never claim to. I'm learning as, as, I, you know, as God reveals things to me as well. And, but, but I want us to have a clear understanding of what God's word says so that we can apply those things and let them change our hearts and our lives. So if you have questions, please talk to me. Um, and, but let's, let's also remember that, that this is a gift that God has for us and to allow that to change us uh, and to follow his ways, not necessarily our ways, okay? So thank you again for being here. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. If you have any questions, call or email me. I'd love to talk to you about it. Before we go this morning, um, I do also want to mention one other quick announcement. Um, we have a, a young lady that has been, been a part of our church now for, I'd say, several months. And she has just been an absolute joy to have a part of our family. And... Uh, Gemma is experiencing a birthday <laughs> on Tuesday, and we want to celebrate. And so uh, someone who will remain nameless has brought some little goodies. And so if you don't have any place to be, I think there's some donuts and some peaches and some other things. We're going to celebrate her and her birthday. We're so glad that she's a part of our family. And we're doing very hard right now not to embarrass her, and we're failing miserably. But, but we're just going to have a little bit of a little birthday celebration before we head out. So if you have time, please stay with us. I'm going to pray over uh, the food and over our time together, and then you can be dismissed. Father, we love you. And again, we thank you for this day and this time. 
We ask that you would just bring clarity to your word, that, Father, you would show us the things you desire us to see. And obviously, also, Father, we just pray a blessing over Gemma's life, that, God, you would continue to bless her. Thank you for bringing her to be a part of our family. We love her so much. And we ask that you would just bless this food and bless our time as we celebrate together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.